1: Welcome back to another episode of The Sword and the Spirit. Where we take a look at the issues both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. Welcome back everyone, the scripture that was read is out of Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9, and it's where the Apostle Paul is dealing with a faction that is known as the Judaizers, who were trying to return the church back to uh, bringing them under the law, in this particular case circumcision, so salvation was based on circumcision in addition to the circumcision not justification by faith in Christ alone. And Paul makes the statement. He said, listen, I don't care if it's an angel from heaven. If they give you a different gospel other than the one that was delivered to you by the the apostles, let them be a curse. That right there Let's you to know that even if people get revelations, people say, "Oh, the Holy Ghost showed me," which you know it wasn't the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost would never go against what he taught the what he told the apostles to preach. But or an angelic visit today, you have people getting regular visits from angels and being told all kinds of crazy stuff that doesn't line up with Scripture and. The Apostle Paul says, even if an angel comes down here and tells you, let them be unattainable, let them be a curse, or let them be damned. It's pretty much what the word means. Um, you know, so when Muhammad said that Gabriel came and gave him the Quran, allegedly, or Joseph Smith talks about the angel Moroni, they might have seen angels. But they weren't angels from God because what they did contradicted scripture. And the Bible says, let them be accursed. If anybody comes to you, no matter who it is, and that includes me or whoever, and if I'm giving you a different gospel, then let, let them be accursed. One of the things that you're going to take a look at today, and we're going to close out this little segment, this is part four. And this will be not the final installation, because the fifth part will be an interview, which is going to take some time to develop. Um, uh, but I'm believing, God, that this will happen. This interview will happen. So stay tuned. Hold on to your seats and your hats. Because it's going to be, it's going to be a very uh, telling. Having said that, I want to kind of bring everything, tie everything together about the great delusion. Because what has happened in the body of Christ today... Um, and what we're witnessing in our time is that great falling away, that great apostasy. And I know I keep harping on it, but it's, I'm, it's, it's kind of hard not to say it because you see it happening right before our very eyes. This is happening. And as a result of it, many people are being led astray. Because they're, and part of it is by putting the emphasis on the wrong things. Um, putting emphasis where it doesn't need to be put. Do I believe in deliverance? Of course. If, 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 in, in, the, if in the course of your life as, as a Christian, as a believer, you meet somebody that's demon possessed, in the name of Jesus, handle it. You know, um, have the Lord. The Lord will cast will cast a demon out. If somebody's sick, the Bible says, "Let him, you know, if you're afflicted, you know, you pray, and if he's sick, you call for the elders of the church in a prayer of faith, and elders will pray over you, and it says, if you committed any sins, it shall be forgiven, and you get some divine healing. That's the formula, the Bible lays out. So I, I I get that. So I, I I'm a proponent. I believe in divine healing. I believe in in God, uh, in deliverance from uh, demonic activity, etc. Absolutely, totally do. But again, that's not the emphasis of the gospel. If that's if that's your great emphasis of the gospel, that's what that you see. It's all supposed to be about. You can get healed and still burn in hell. You can get delivered from demons still end up in hell you can you can listen to my podcast and still end up in hell because if you it's all about knowing jesus and knowing christ that's the most important thing in the forgiveness of your sins coming to, to christ and repentance and faith and that's the most important thing that's what the emphasis should be um as you heard me say before, ministries that are focused on deliverance, ministries that are focused on on healing, are they're not inherently bad ministries, but they're, it's the wrong focus. The, the ministry should not be focused on healing, and the ministry should not be focused on deliverance. And we're going to take a couple of scriptures here, and we're going to look at it, uh, because Christ performed more. I don't think anybody did more stuff than Jesus did. Nobody did it as well, or as often, or as good. As he did in terms of healing and deliverance and casting out demons, etc. But when you read the Bible, that's not what he was all about. He also did teaching. I don't know why people get this idea that it's always one versus the other. You know, if you have teaching that you're, oh, yeah, that's just cerebral, yeah, that's just intellect, that's just theological, that's not revelatory, that's not, it's not Rhema word. As though the Holy Spirit was in conflict with the with the logos, with the written word um it, it all goes together you need all of that working together in their but in, in their proper context in their proper place uh for the church to grow thereby so but the great deception is to take one deliverance and that's it I don't do I don't talk about nothing else then uh healing that's it that's all we that's all we're gonna do you know um and so on rather than seeing The the church, the ecclesia, is supposed to be the called out ones. And so you have this this meshing together of all those various aspects of ministry done in a balanced context, not swinging to extremes in either direction. Um, So when there needs to be healing, people get healed. When there needs to be deliverance, people get deliverance. When there needs to be whatever uh, miracles, then miracles will take place. But when we put the cart in front of the horse, when we take the miracles and the deliverance and the healing and put them ahead of knowing Christ, ahead of salvation, ahead of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, when it becomes top heavy, now the cart's in front of the horse. And when that becomes the emphasis and that becomes the only thing that we ever talk about, the only thing that becomes the most important thing for the believer, that's not good because now you get an imbalance and then people start getting revelations so-called and by the way if you want a revelation devil will give you one um i think in corinthians it talks about the the enemy uh presenting himself as an angel of light uh lucifer means a uh, son of the morning or son of the dawn and so the devil can present himself as just that as a light as somebody who's coming to enlighten you. Remember, I told you in the Garden of Eden, he appeared to Eve, but, he, but he, he, allegedly he had some enlightenment for her, some new revelation. It was revelatory, as you like to say. And the devil had his own version of a Rhema word for Eve, but it was a lie. And we talked about the Antichrist with lying signs and wonders. There are miracles and signs and wonders that are designed to deceive you, to trick you to fool you, to make you think, oh, this is authentic, because look, the guy had a demon, now the demon's not there, this must be authentic. And then people go running behind signs and wonders. These podcasts are not going to reach everybody. So some of you, it doesn't matter what I say, you're going to run behind signs and wonders. It doesn't matter what I say, you're going to run behind these false prophets. It doesn't matter what I say, you're going to continue on to do what you you do. But these podcasts are for the elect, for those who, um, who are called of God, and who hear the voice of, of, of the Shepherd, and will respond properly and accordingly to it. Um, others will just continue right on because it's a great delusion, and, see, and what they don't realize, God has handed you over to your own nonsense. You think you're clever. You think you're smart. You know. Um, you know. I. Um, you know, I know, you know, this is what God wants. And and devil and, and God will leave you right there and you it's just doing your mess. And but you think you're 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 clever and uh oh, you know God, they see they, they ain't doing no deliverance. That's why the church ain't growing. That's what, no, the church isn't growing because there's a great falling away. That's why it appears that the church is not growing. That's why it appears these things are have gone south. It's not that God's it's not that they're saying anything wrong. You could be in a church preaching a very solid biblical gospel, uh, being faithful. Now, that's what it comes down to now. It's about faithfulness. And maybe you only have, you know, say, uh, 20, 30 members. But that's okay because God calls you to be faithful. He doesn't call you to have a lot of people. And then you can have a large church with a whole lot of people in it and, you know, preaching a lot of uh over not preaching Christ, you're preaching everything but Christ, and that large church, and you got a lot of people in there, but a lot of them are you're, you're damning them to hell because you're not giving them a full gospel. If you, all you're giving them is deliverance and casting out demons, that's not a full gospel. Uh, demons can get cast out. Jesus Himself told you the demon gets cast out, and then he he comes back and he finds the house swept and clean, and then he goes and get t- seven more demons, and and they then they invade the the house that just got delivered again. And the last day of that man is worse than the first. Yeah, how about that? So here he got delivered, and he ended up getting worse. He didn't get better. Because he didn't know Christ. It's not enough to get the deliverance. You've got to know Christ. And that's the most important thing. So uh, just be careful, saints, because these are, these are, the, are the times of, of, like I said, the strong delusion. And if you reject God's truth, the truth of God's word, then... Uh, you be, you can become very susceptible to strong delusion. And it's strong. And see, and let, let me tell you something. When God sends strong delusion, and God has determined like with Pharaoh, he hardened Pharaoh's heart, there's no turning back. When God sets your heart in the wrong direction, that's the judgment of God. See, we think God's just come out and kill you. No. First thing God does is he locks your will. So if you, even if you decide you want to change, you can't. At some point, he just said, all right, that's you made your choice. I think in the book of Revelation, it says, he that is holy, let him be holy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And then he says, he that is unholy, let him be unholy still. So at some point, the decree is going to go forth, and God's going to lock everything up. And if you're walking in holiness, then you'll stay that way. But if you're not walking in holiness, you're not going to become holy. That's my point. Strong delusion. Uh, God said in my spirit, shall not always strive with man. So God works with us, and God knows the caught out point. I don't know when it is. I'm not here to tell you when it is. I'm just trying to tell you it, it's, it's happening. And you have to take an opportunity to say, God, please don't let that be me. And let me not walk in that strong delusion and come back to the basics of the gospel. I am by no means throwing out deliverance and I'm by no means throwing out uh, divine healing or or, or or the miraculous. I'm not even suggesting that. I'm simply suggesting that everything has to be put in its proper place and in its proper perspective. And we cannot make these things the be all end all of everything. That somehow this is what um, this is what this is what's supposed to be the most important thing for us to do. And we need, to, we need to look at that. Now let's look over here. Because the enemy can come in as an angel of light. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, And no wonder, for even dis- even Satan, the devil, disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness but their end will correspond to their deeds. So the enemy can dress himself up and his, 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 his agents can pretend to be servants of righteousness, pretend to be sent to you by God for deliverance or anything. And you have to discern and believe you me. This stuff is Everywhere. And so every, every preacher you see on YouTube, every preacher you see on television, every podcaster like myself, you have to exercise discernment to know whether or not this is of God or not. And they don't keep Christ as a central figure, then yikes. I think you need to go the other direction. Try to get away from said individuals. But this is what, uh, what we're talking about when we speak about the strong delusion that they may believe a lie because they did not receive the love of the truth. Remember I told you that before. You, you have to have a true north. You have to have a love for the truth. You don't love the truth. Uh, all of it. Can't can't single out one part of the Bible and say that's all I'm going to talk about. Uh, I, I, I embrace the entire book cover to cover. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The parts I like and the parts that I don't like. The parts that I can do. The parts that I can't do. But it says what it says. And that's what you stand upon. And so you want to stand upon God's word. But yes. The God of this world. Appears sometimes as an angel. Of light. Paul talks about false apostles. Deceitful workmen. Disguising themselves as apostle of apostles of Christ. You're gonna get a whole lot of that coming along. And we're we're there now. We're, we're, we're there. We're there. Um you got false Christ and false apostles, false prophets, Jesus. The first thing Jesus said when his apostles said, What shall be the sign of a coming? And the end of the age, and first thing Jesus said, see to it that no man deceive you. That's the first thing he says, deception. Because they're going to come, many people claiming to be Christ, many people claiming to be sent from God, and uh, but they're going to. But you can tell them because number one, Jesus said you know them by their fruit, and secondly, you also know them because the emphasis will be on them and not on Christ. And so I look to see if, if Christ is being preached, if Christ is being exalted, is Christ being magnified. Uh, the Bible says that all the scriptures, all the scriptures were from, Ge- from Genesis to Malachi. All the scriptures, he said, were about him. were about Christ. And so what we have today is, is a Christless Christianity. In other words Dave Wilkinson preached. You might want to get a copy of that. Look it up online, the Christless Pentecost. Preached by Dave Wilkinson. We, 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 the dove, the Holy spirit is going to focus on the lamb. Wherever the, wherever there's a Holy ghost service, Christ will be exalted. If Christ is not being exalted, then it's not a Holy ghost service. You need to become suspicious of it because the Holy spirit will not exalt himself. The Holy spirit will not put emphasis on himself. The Holy spirit will, will talk about Christ. And, and if, if he's not talking about Christ in that service, then you need to be suspect because that's not what the Holy spirit would do. And, um, uh, that's what David Wilson was talking about when he David Wilson was talking about when he said a Christless Pentecost. And uh, again, like I said, Michael Wharton's book, Christless Christianity, a Christianity without Christ, deliverance without Christ. Yeah, try try doing that. See how that works. Uh, people trying to get get healing without Christ. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Christ is the healer. Christ is the deliverer. In, in Christ alone. And that's what we look at and we look for in in, in the life of the believer. But the delusions will continue on. It doesn't matter what I say like I said in this podcast. And I'm just doing this for those who have an ear to hear. To hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. Stay strong. Stay prayed up. Stay in the word. And keep your eyes on Christ. And see him as your salvation, as your all in all. I'm about to read to you as an excerpt from a book called Phoenix Rising, Birthing the Strong Delusion, Phyllis Kathleen Galt, she has a BS and an MA, and hopefully, God willing, like I said, I've been promising to try to get her on the podcast, but um, you know, we serve a great and mighty God, and so when the time is right, she'll be here, uh, believing God for that this is from chapter 18 where she talks about dominionism the rise of apostate theocracy mystery babylon and she talks about this guy sr shearer says dominionists is a militant doctrine of the end times which envisions the church seizing power over the earth to rescue the nations dominionism claimed that they will defeat and form a theocratic government run by their religious leaders. Some members of this movement say this seizure will occur through the power of signs and wonders. Others say it will be a result of a military political conquest, but most see it as a combination of both. Emphasis added. Members of this movement claim that Christ cannot return until they transform society. Yet many members of the New Apostolic Reformation, NAR for short, do not believe in a little return of Jesus. Instead, they imagine that they will become the incarnation, that they themselves will become the incarnation of Christ. Thus, there will be many Christ walking upon the earth. However, Jesus states, take heed that you you do not be deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draws near. Go you not therefore after them. That's Luke 21, verse 8. Today, dominionism is popular among evangelicals from John Wimber's Vineyard Church, um, which spans the globe, United States, Europe, United Kingdom, Africa, Australia, etc. They have works out in, in those areas. Um and then she goes on to list of, of a whole bunch of other names in here. Well-known names. If I named them, you would know who they were. So that's what I'm talking about. The strong delusion. Now, let me say this for a fact. Most de- dominionists will hide this. They're not going to tell you the truth. Some people, some people who are part of this movement don't, are, don't know the fullness of what this movement is about because they're deceived. They just think, Oh, the restoration of apostles and the prophets. This is great for the church you know, and they're not intending to do what I just read. So a lot of, so if you run to somebody and say, I'm going to pause some problem and you tell them about this, they'll deny it and they'll tell you, no, I'm not part of it. And they, they may be telling you the truth. They're really not part of it. They don't really see it. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the higher levels and you go higher up to the top tier people, this is what they're planning on doing, whether they're revealing it to the people down below or not. And uh, you can see these streams heading in this direction, whereas everything's going to culminate. And so when you hear people start preaching about, we got to preach about the kingdom, Uh, put up a red flag and define what do you mean by preaching the kingdom? Whose kingdom are we talking about? You know, they'll tell you the kingdom of God. But they, you know, but you'll hear things like the church taking authority uh, over the earth and taking authority over government, taking authority in these various aspects of life, you know, taking authority on your job and you walk in your authority and you take dominion because dominion was given to Adam therefore now we can, we must also walk in our dominion on the earth god's given it to us and before you know it you're conquering the world or you're conquering uh some aspect of life. they have the seven mountain mandate there's seven areas of, of that they want to to take over from media to government to the school systems to entertainment And once they control all these various, these seven areas of 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 uh of humanity of life, then we will usher in the kingdom. It's almost as though we got tired of waiting for Jesus to come. And so we decided, well all right, Lord, we'll just do it. Never mind, we'll do it ourselves. And we are attempting to usher in the kingdom and to take dominion over the earth. And that's not what God called us to do. Uh, Christ is the one that's going to conquer the world. Christ is the one who's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. He doesn't need our help in that respect. Our job is to give forth witness, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, and to disciple men and make them followers of Christ. And uh, as many as we can. And with the time that, or the determination of Christ's return, the determination of when the kingdom will be literally set up on the planet, that's all in God the Father's purview, and not our job. Only thing we're going to do is lead to a bloody revolution, and a lot of people are going to die unnecessarily. Only to discover, you know, this really wasn't necessary. Um, and, and, and by the way, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to take over the earth by force. Uh, the church is not going to do it, and then tell Christ to come back. That's just not going to happen. So uh, don't waste your time. But this fervor, this fever pitch. Over the alleged restoration of apostles and prophets into the church. Where they're getting new revelations now. And, and and by the way, the Bible is now closed in a lot of places. Because what do I need the Bible for, right? God is talking directly to me. So I don't need no scripture. I don't need to read no text. I'll just get in the pulpit and I'll tell you what God told me to tell you. You know, just lay it out for everybody. And y'all just do what, you know, since I'm the prophet and the man of God, listen to me. And... You know, we don't need the Bible because that's long ago stuff anyway. You know, that happened a long time ago. What do we, you know, what do we know about that? So, that's that's a tendency uh, for people to do that. So again, yeah, yeah, um, this is where we are. This is where we are in the in in the modern church today. And so we're trying to blow the whistle here and to get people to become aware of what's happening around us so that we don't get caught up in it. Now, again, you want to protect yourself from this. You want to insulate yourself against these types of of things. And so there, there are certain basic things that you have to look at that will help protect you. And at the risk of being redundant and repeating myself, that's how you teach us by repetition, and I, I've mentioned this in many podcasts, and I will continue to do so. And that and it will be on purpose, so I rivet this in your mind so that you can understand what I'm saying. So we look to the Word of God and we look to the scriptures to see what the Bible says about the return of Christ. He said, As the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And every eye shall see him. It won't be a secret coming. Uh, Jesus is not appearing on stage with people. Pe- Jesus appears on a stage with people, and that would be his second coming because he'd be here again. And people are taking pictures and look at the light, you know, and the form that's on, on the stage. The devil will put on a show. You want to see an appearance on the stage? The devil will give you one. It'll be, he'll give you a nice light show and and you know look it's an, the angel of light you know and he's all lit up and everything oh this is wonderful twice appeared in the service i i saw it too i saw him up down the stage yeah you saw him all right it was a devil it wasn't jesus. jesus is not appearing on stages with people jesus is not taking people to heaven to have tours jesus is not taking people to hell to give them a grand tour of hell none of this stuff is happening people none of it um the only thing that's happening is the enemy is working his deceptive wiles on individuals? Uh, one lady even went so far as to say she went to heaven and there was and there was a Christmas town in there with a real Saint Nicholas, and it snows and there's snows and it snows all the time there. And I was like, what kind of foolishness is this? What are we, you know? Yeah, this, this is the kind of nuttiness you have going on out here. And these are these are top tier, these allegedly top tier prophet or prophetess, top tier. Um, preachers and 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 who are saying these types of of crazy things and so um at least top tier as as the backslidden church is concerned um, i don't consider them top tier at all i consider them deceivers and people who are their intent is um is malevolent to lead many astray to lead many astray all right, so I would be remiss if I didn't get back to the gospel here and talking about Christ. I just wanted to give you that heads up on some things that are that are coming down the pike and things that will be happening. But as believers, where do we stand? Well, we have to understand what the true gospel is about. It's about loving God. It's about loving Christ. Um... In Luke's Gospel, I believe it is, about the twenty fourth chapter. After the resurrection, Christ appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and oh, let's just read that. Why don't we read that, and that'll help us better. Um, that'll help us better understand some things. All right, let's just read that. Luke 24, the road to Emmaus, starting at about verse 13. All right, let's read that.
0: That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself.
1: Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So from Genesis to Malachi, Jesus was saying, everything is about me. That's how you got to read the Bible. When you read the scriptures, look for Christ. Th- this is not about us. This is about Christ. And so you look for Jesus. Because he's saying that it's all about me. And so it reveals who Christ is. It's a, it's t- it, we have to see him. And if you see Christ and you search for him. You won't be deceived. You won't be tricked or led astray. And when I say search for Christ, I mean in the scriptures. Every book that I go through now, when I do my my Bible study and I get the theme of the book and I go through and I study it and I see what the instructions are. um, At the end of the day, it all has to tie back into my relationship with Christ and it has to tie back into revealing to me some things about who Christ is. About what god has done in christ the bible says god was in christ reconciling the world to himself god was at work in jesus bringing the world back to himself bringing us towards him Uh, this is a work of god this is this is god is a great initiator they call him the the holy spirit the hound of heaven he's the one that hunts us down and, and calls us out To be his people, we who were at one time not a people are now become the people of God. And he calls us out. So scriptures are about Jesus. We're looking for Christ. We're looking for him. And it's about glorifying Christ. It's not about casting out demons. It's not about uh, feeding people and working miraculous miracles. Those are gifts that are demonstrated to authenticate the work of the ministry which Jesus did with the apostles and himself and with Moses and others in Scripture to authenticate them as as people of God. But having said that, that was not his primary ministry. Let's go back here to John the 6th chapter. Let's go back here to John chapter 6. Listen to this. Okay. And he feeds the 5,000. After this, Jesus went away to the other side. This is chapter 6, verse 1, the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So now they're following him because of what the signs he was doing on the sick. So, yes, miracles will catch people's attention. No question about it. That's why I said I'm not against miracles, I'm not against healing. I'm not against deliverance. That's one of the greatest ways to catch people's attention. You start doing stuff like that, people are going to be, oh, wow, what's going on here? Okay? So that was happening. Remember now in the ancient world, it's not like you had hospitals and you go to the ER and you had medications and stuff like that. That that wasn't happening. So if you got sick or something, then you'll probably just suffer with that for the rest of your life, pretty much. This is the ancient world. They had not yet cured many things. Or have you know you get a lot of placebos i guess make you feel better but so now jesus shows up and all of a sudden he's healing people and so yeah of course the crowds are going to be following him because what's going to be the next magic trick he's going to pull off he's going to pull a rabbit out of his hat what's he going to do here what's the next trick here plus if i'm sick i want to get healed you better believe i do it somebody said yeah, doctor comes out and diagnoses you with cancer man and and you know jesus is standing right there and you can get healed if i go over here to jesus yeah, I'm on the next thing smoking. I am I want, you know, hey, Jesus, help me, you know, get rid of this cancer. Absolutely. Uh, I would want God to heal me. But they're following him because of his miracles. But now Jesus didn't get caught up in that. Miracles were just part of his ministry, but they weren't the emphasis of his ministry. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you now. Then you go on a little further. Verse 5, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said to, now Jesus said this to test him, because he already knew what he was going to do. So Philip answered him and said, well, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they? What are they for? So many? How are you gonna feed all these people with that? And then Jesus told him to have the people sit down. And of course, you know the story. He feeds, he feeds the five thousand with two fish and some barley loaves. And then when they they had enough to pick up leftovers, um, a couple baskets full at the end of end of the miracle. So not only did Christ provide f- bread and fish for these people. And sustenance. He also made sure there was there was some leftovers for the apostles, and enough for enough to you know for a couple of days. Um, verse twelve. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, "Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing be lost." So God doesn't like, God doesn't waste food. So they gathered them up and filled what twelve baskets, twelve apostles, twelve baskets with fragments and the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Wow! And they still had the five barley loaves that they started out with. And when the people saw that sign he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet. Oh, wow. We found him who was to come into the world. Okay. So let's keep that in mind. We're going to go into the next segment. They're saying, this is the prophet who has come into the world. People are excited. Like, oh my God, look, look at this. Look what just happened. Amen. We're still in the 6th chapter of John. Verse 13. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments and the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw this sign that he had done, this was a sign that he did. This is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. Now look what Jesus does here. He does a peculiar thing. Perceiving them that Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. He withdrew himself again to the mountain by himself. Jesus would not allow the people to make him king. What? I thought that was the point. Aren't you king of the Jews? Aren't you the the Messiah? Um, Aren't you king of kings and lord of lords? But Jesus wouldn't let them make him king. You know why? Because they wanted to make him king for all the wrong reasons. They wanted to make him king because they saw the miracles. They want to make him king because they saw him knock demons out of people. They wanted to make him king because he fed them. This was the reason why they wanted to make him king. And Jesus said, No, you can't, you can't. That's not that's that'll get your attention. Those are attention getters. But now you gotta meet the qualifications. If you want to make me your king, you gotta step up and meet the qualifications then he goes to the other side and of course with the apostles he gives him another sign he walks on water verse 22 on the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that they had been only there had been only one boat there and that jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but the disciples had gone away alone other boats from tiberius came near to near the place where they had eaten the bread after the lord had given thanks And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So they're still out to make him king. They're still looking for him, right? And they found him on the other side of the sea. And verse 25, Rabbi, when when did you come here? Jesus didn't even answer the question. It doesn't matter when I got here. The real question is, why are you following me? He says, you're seeking me. She said, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not just because you saw signs and wonders. Because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you're following me because you had some good You had a nice meal yesterday. And it's not just the miracles anymore. So in addition to the miracles, now you're following me for, the, for, the, for, for feeding you. And look what Jesus says to them. This is what I'm trying to tell you. You make miracles and, and supernatural things the emphasis Jesus doesn't seem to care about that because he's saying, listen, look. Look what he says, verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give for you, give to you. For on him the God the Father has set his seal. He's saying, listen, don't get caught up in the miracles, man. Don't get caught up with the deliverer. Oh, you know, the church could just cast out demons. We would have more power and more people would get saved. No, that's a lie. Jesus said if somebody came back from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. The only reason why people get saved is because of the, of the saving work of the Holy Spirit, which I've gone over that before, and I guess I'll have to keep doing it over and over again. Miracles have never saved anybody. Miracles are attention-getters. Yes, it can it, they're signed gifts to saying the God the God has set his seal on this particular person. But now, what happens after that? Because if you don't take it a step further to bring these people to Christ, at least offer the opportunity, um, they're going to be lost. So Jesus said, that's, that's, not, that's not the big deal. That little bread I gave him, you, you got to eat bread that's going to you know, give you eternal life. Look at verse 28. And they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They said, all right, so what do you, what do you need? What's, what's, what's the requisite? Jesus answers them, this is the work of God. Here it is, saints. This is the work of God. Jesus' own word. It's a red letter edition here. I don't care pick your translation read it it says the same thing this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent that's it that's all yeah that's it this is antithetical to 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 us as as, as human beings because our nature believes there has to be something either has to be something in me that that's worthy of him i have to make my And if i'm not worthy of him i have to make myself worthy So let me, clear, let me make this simple for you. Nobody has anything inherently in us that makes us worthy of Christ. Even the Amago in its fallen state that does not make us worthy of Christ. We're fallen, all oh, we like sheep have gone astray, every man to his own way. Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousness is, is as filthy rags. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We are not worthy to receive anything from God inherently in ourselves. Number two, there's nothing that any of us can do to make ourselves worthy. I don't care how many good works you do. I don't care how many demons you cast out. I don't care how many miracles you work. I don't care how many people you get out of the wheelchair. I don't care how much you do all this stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't know Christ. And that's not going to make you worthy. Okay, how many people you feed, how many mission trips you go on, how many sermons you preach. Nothing we do makes us qualified or worthy of the grace of God. There is no qualification. We don't we, we can't qualify. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's it. There it is people. That's it. That's all you have to do. Put your faith and confidence in the one whom you sent. In other words, focus on Christ. Focus on Christ, not deliverance. Focus on Christ, not healing. Focus on Christ, not casting out demons. Focus on Christ, not working wonders and miracles. The signs and wonders follow the believer. The believer does not follow signs and wonders. Jesus said a wicked and a perverse generation seeks after a sign. In this context, he says, the only sign you're going to get from me Is the sign of Jonah. You know, he was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. I'll be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. That's the only sign you're going to get. But wicked and a perverse generation. People always want a sign, want to see a miracle. That is a wicked and a perverse generation. Check yourself. Maybe you're wicked. Running after signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. When Jesus said the the word that you, all he wants you to do is believe, put your confidence in me, focus on me, all eyes on me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, putting emphasis on Christ. Because in Christ, if your focus is on him, there's deliverance. If you focus on him, there's your miracles, there's your healing, there's all that's wrapped up in him. But you've got to focus on him. So the people challenged him. They said, so they said, so they said to him, okay, you want us to believe on you then? All right, very good. But before we put our confidence in you, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Now, the first time I read that, I was like, but wait, he just fed you, you know, with with two fish, two loaves and some fish. You just saw all the miracles he was doing. I mean, my God, he just walked on water. What else do you people want? But there's, but, and so it sounds like a stupid question, but it's not a dumb question. There's a prophecy that Moses gave. God told the children of Israel that God was going to raise up a prophet like me. Up until that point when Jesus came, Elijah and Elisha did some miracles. They probably were the two that came closest to Moses. But nobody, 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 nobody did what Moses did. The, the, with the ten plagues and and was working miracles and wonders the way God was was working through the hand of Moses, parting red seas and stuff, and then manna coming down from heaven. So this is what the people are going to do. They're going to say, "All right, are you that prophet? Then are you the one that's supposed to be equal or greater to Moses? Because that's what the prophecy says." So they're not doing they're not doing anything wrong by by you know fact checking Jesus. So they fact check him. So, All right, you say you the one, believe in you. All right, let's 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 look at some stuff here. The prophet. Let's talk about Moses. Verse thirty-one. So they're doing the right thing. This is the proper question on, on their part. So the crowd's not bugging. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So then Jesus responds to it. Okay, so you fact check Jesus. He didn't get mad. He just simply put it in his context. He said, "Okay, very good. No, you're right. You're right. You know, okay, Moses. Uh, Moses." You know you you, you said let me let me give a little bit of correction here he said okay i got that you say moses brought gave them bread from heaven but first of all let me let me clarify here um truly as truly i say to you moses did not give you bread from heaven but my father he said first of all let's give credit where credit is due it wasn't moses and moses would tell you himself i didn't bring down bread from heaven he said my god sent that that bread down from heaven who gave you the bread from heaven my father gives you the he said however my father's going to give you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world and they said to him sir give us this bread always so they said okay that's good all right so you got some more bread that's better that 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 comes some of the more of that bread that came down from heaven that manner. um you know um let us have it you know it's cool that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. But this is the will of my Father. That everyone, this is the will of God the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, hear it, saints, hear it, hear it, hear it, to look on the Son and believe in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. The signs, the wonders, the miracles that all Jesus did and the crowd still was not saved. If they were saved, Christ wouldn't be trying to tell them how to get saved. Yes, it, it, it awakened something in them and they came to him. But now he's laying out to them this is what you got to do. You want to you do the works of God. You, you know, believe, believe on me. Because I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I'm greater than Moses. That's pretty much what he's saying in all of this. I'm greater than Moses. Look at verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Y'all just told me that deliverance is what the world needs and and casting out of demons and and people need to see the power of God. Well, they just saw it. And this is from Jesus. This, This is Christ himself. This is not you and me. So if Christ performed these miracles and the people still didn't get saved, what makes you think because you work in wonders yourself that people will now get saved? See that's a trick of the enemy. Wrong emphasis. If it didn't work for Jesus in terms of it got the attention which is what he wanted and that's what that's the only purpose of that. But it's not going to save anybody. And Christ knew that. Verse 41 so the Jews grumbled about him because he said I am the bread that came down from heaven. So now they're grumbling instead of getting saved, they're grumbling. They said is is this is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I came down from heaven? Oh, wait a minute. Now he just said he just came down from heaven. They were like, well, no, you you didn't come down from heaven. You were born right here on earth, like, like the rest of us. Verse 43, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me. Listen to this here. No one can come to me. No one can come to me. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Full stop, end of story, slam dunk. Without the drawing power of the Holy Spirit, without the Father drawing you by the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how many miracles and how many demons you cast out. Yes, people will be fascinated by it. They'll do TV specials about you and everything else. The pharmaceutical companies will, will probably try hit hire hitmen because you're emptying the hospital, and then the hospitals will, you know... Um, and the, but the insurance companies, on the other hand, will give you a, a protection detail because they want to keep you alive uh, so, the, so the the pharmaceuticals can't assassinate you because the insurance companies don't want to pay for these hospital stays. And they'll be more than happy to give you money to, to empty the hospitals, if you could do that. But you can't. But Jesus said, it doesn't matter. None of that matter. It doesn't mean anything. I don't get it. We 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 put emphasis on miraculous things, gassing out demons, but none of that is saving. It doesn't save anyone. It's, it's it's a it's a nice display of power. And by the way, we don't we're not even doing it the way Jesus and the apostles did it. Now we've reduced it to a dog and pony show, a sideshow. Was that song by Blue Magic? You know, back in this in the seventies, back in the day. Let the sideshow begin! Hurry, hurry! Step right in. Sideshow. Return to a dog and pony show, wrestling matches with the devil. Come out, no! Come out, no! And all, all this stuff. But Lucy, I'm not letting her go. Like this is Hollywood. This is this is exorcist nonsense. You never see Jesus and the apostles arguing. No demon. They cast They cast him out. End of story. Full stop legion was afraid of jesus and they had to beg him to go in they weren't arguing with him they had to say can we at least go into this wine and jesus said okay go because you weren't supposed to have pigs in israel anyway so jesus did a two-for-one he got rid of the pigs and he got rid of the demons no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draw him miracles is not gonna do it do you understand that they won't get saved because they saw a miracle. They won't get saved because they saw a deliverance. That's not what does it. People get saved because of the work of the Holy Spirit. I got saved. I didn't see anybody getting delivered. I didn't see anybody, demons coming out of anybody. I got saved because the Holy Spirit came and got me. That's why I got saved. And you're saved because the Holy Spirit came and got you. God does not need deliverance and miracles for you to get saved. So you say, Brother Ryman, why does God do miracles then? Because he's demonstrating to his goodness to the world. He makes his reign to fall on the just and on the unjust. These are sign gifts to the world that authenticate the guy's ministry and at the same time demonstrates the love of God and concern for the entire world so that in the day of judgment, nobody will have an excuse. He goes, I've dem- I showed you how much I love you, and yet you didn't come to me. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Let me read that again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So if you're being taught of the Father, and you're learning from the Father, you'll come to Jesus. Okay, then let's move a little further down. (laughs) Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever sees miracles and, cast, and see, watch me cast out demons and, and feed the 5,000 with Christian loaves has eternal life. He says, no, it's, that's not enough. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes it has eternal life, believes in him, of course. Verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. And they died. Then he goes back to Moses. He says, All right, let's do the Moses thing. They ate manna in the wilderness. Yes, okay. But they're dead. The manna didn't do them any good. Yeah, you got the demons cast out of you, but you still died. Hopefully not a Christless, grade, a Christless death. Yes, you got healed. You know, it doesn't matter how many good diseases God heals. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but guess what? He had to die again. How about that? You get healed, and eventually, sooner or later, you die anyhow. So healing is just an extension of life. God has mercy and extends your life a little bit longer, which is great. I would love to, to be here as long as I possibly could. I'm um, just like everybody else. But by the same token, um, to having those miracles done, people still die anyway. So, what, so what's the big deal? So Jesus said, that's not the emphasis. That's not where you want to go. Look at verse 48. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Your apostles ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to one-up Moses right now. So Jesus one-ups him. He's all right, you got some bread from heaven, mm, but he did. But now the bread I'm going to give you is going to be better than the manna because if you eat this bread, you'll never die. Wow, and you will live forever. And that bread I will give for the, li- for the life of the world is my flesh. Whoa, and the Jews are like, what's he talking about? We just still don't get it. And they disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Of course, he's talking metaphorically speaking. And I'll raise him up from the last days. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the the bread of the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Okay. Look at verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus himself, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, Said to them, do you take offense of this? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to to heaven where he was before? What if I go back to heaven? And look at verse, verse 63. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help. Feeding your flesh, getting deliverance, getting miracles is of no value, he says, in the long run. You must be born again. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you here who do not believe. But Jesus knew who, from the beginning who it was who was going to betray him. Or who did not believe. And who did not be, who was going to betray him. And he said, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. You can't come to him unless God grants you to come to him. I'm saved because God in his mercy granted me to come to him. I was not worthy and there was nothing I could do to make myself worthy. God just had mercy upon Donald Reimer. That's all I can say. (laughs) Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. A lot of people were following him, but they weren't drawn by the Holy Spirit. And that's why they turned back and left. Wait a minute. This is the same crowd at the beginning was going to make him king. The same crowd that was following him because of miracles. The same crowd that was following him because of, of, of the feeding. See everybody who likes that stuff that, that that that's just that's the surfacey stuff. But when we get down to why we need to be following Christ, all of a sudden when Christ lays out his conditions, this is what it's going to take for you to follow me, and it was so simple, just believe. They couldn't handle it and they left. So miracles didn't save anyone. Feeding the 5,000 saved no one. Why? Because when Christ named his conditions, people get out of Dodge. They saddle up and ride away. And then he looked at his apostles and said, do you also want to go away? And and Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come, come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus said, I've chosen you 12, and one of you is the devil. So Judas had to hang around to fulfill scripture. But the apostles stayed because they were called by God. Jesus specifically called them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he called and he chose those 12, handpicked. Well, the multitudes and crowds follow him. So you can can fill a church with theatrics. You can do all the deliverance and cast out demons that you want to. You can do all that stuff. It's not going to bring people to salvation because once people hear the genuine gospel and they see what Christ requires for salvation, I'm telling you, people will get out of Dodge. You're like, oh, not doing that. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and come follow me. People are not going to meet the conditions that God wants. And, And then when you say only believe, that just sounds ridiculous. It's gotta, i got to do something to make myself worthy. And there are many people, even in the church today, who are working their fingers to the bone, trying to make themselves worthy of the Savior who called them. And technically, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, go, go home and if God has saved you, just rest in that. Just rest in that. Say, God, I thank you that you saved me. I don't deserve it, but I thank you that you saved me. I thank you. I give you glory. I magnify you. I praise your holy name. You're a wonderful God and Savior and King. Amen. Accordingly, two cities have been formed by two loves. The earthly by the love of self, even to the contempt of God. And the heavenly by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. The former in a word glories in itself, the latter in the Lord. For the one seeks glory from men, but the greatest glory of the other is God. The witness of conscience, the one lifts up his head in its own glory. The other says to, to its God, you are my glory and the lifter of mine head. In the one, the princes and the nations it subdues or rule by love of ruling. In the other, princes and the subjects serve one another in love the latter obeying, while the former take thought for all. The one delights in his own strength, represented in the person of his rulers. The other says to his God, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And therefore the wise men of the city living according to, to, to man have sought for profit to their own bodies or souls, or both. And those who have known God glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations, and therefore went into the strong delusion. Tuesday, that's, that's an excerpt from City of God by St. Augustine. I recommend everybody get a copy of that and read it. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Sword and the Spirit. I appreciate everybody who listens. My prayer is that some people will have hear it with the hearing ears. I'm not anti-deliverance. I'm not anti-healing. I'm not anti-any of those things. But I am pro-putting those things in perspective. So just thank you so much for listening. Appreciate everyone. Stay strong in Jesus. Don't fall for the strong delusion. Please don't let get yourself get sucked in behind this stuff. Be Berean. Search the scriptures and see if these things be so. Don't take it just because I'm saying it. Fact check me. Go to the Word of God, which is the final quarter of arbitration, and ask the Holy Spirit, please don't let you be fooled, and to guide you and direct you and have mercy upon you and show you the right way to go. God bless you, and thank you for listening. If you want to connect, to, connect with me, rhyd12001 at gmail.com. You can write me there, and I'll be happy to handle any questions or comments that you may have. God bless, and thank you again for listening to The Sword and the Spirit.